TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Using this podcast as a backdrop, I can't recall in the last two and a half years, so we've been doing the Scoop podcast for two and a half years, I can't recall in the last two and a half years, two big stories going on at the same time, both pretty negative from a Minnesota sports fan standpoint, although on the Everson Griffin front, his well-being matters more than anything. Being a good husband again, being a good dad again, forget the football side of things. There's certainly been some big stories in the last two and a half years. The Gophers football boycott go up and down the list. But two big stories going on at the same time. Obviously, the Jimmy Butler saga is the other. I can't recall. Now, going back, I've been working here in the Twin Cities media for 21 years, 21 plus years. I'm sure there's an example or two if I thought long and hard. But just using this podcast as a backdrop, going back two and a half years, I can't recall two big stories going on like this at the same time. So I've been a little busy the last handful of days, but I do have some time to record a new podcast. It is Scoop Podcast episode 175 being recorded on Tuesday, early evening, the 25th of September. We will start with one of the all-time winningest coaches in NBA history. He is George Carl. He went through a very public episode where a star player demanded out going back eight years ago when he coached Carmelo Anthony in Denver. Eventually, Denver moved Mello to New York and got back a really good package, but they waited a long time. So I figured it was a good time to catch up with George. He's been on the podcast before. We can pick his brain on a few other things, but I thought with his very specific knowledge, his experience dealing with a star player demanding a trade, I figured it'd be a good time to catch up with George. So let's do that right now. George, always appreciate your time. Let's just start with your general thoughts when you heard last week that Jimmy Butler once out of here in Minnesota, he requests a trade. He goes to somebody you know very well, Tom Thibodeau, somebody that, you know, Tibbs and Jimmy have a long history going back to their days in Chicago. Tibbs put, heck, put his job on the line when he went to owner Glenn Taylor a year before and said, hey, let's make this big move. Let's give up Zach Levine, Laurie Markinen, and Chris Dunn to bring in Jimmy Butler. Now after 59 games, because he missed a bunch of games last year, with that knee injury and another injury, so he's battled injuries. What was your general thought, George, when you heard that your good friend Tom Thibodeau was going through this, that after 59 games, Jimmy Butler wants out of here in Minnesota? Oh, it's never fun. I mean, as a coach, it's, uh, I mean, it just, but it just seems, I mean, my general thought when it happened was it seems to get being, becoming more epidemic. Uh, that players are kind of trying to play their cards uh, before their contract is up. And uh, they want to, instead of waiting for becoming a total free agent, they want to kind of have some free agent power before they have free agent power. Uh, but in the same sense, I, I, you know, with the money being as large as it is, I, I do understand it's uh, now become a money game, a power game. Uh, an aging game, and uh, it made me sad. It, it doesn't make it easier for anybody. I think it makes it, you know, players are going to get wealthier, but sometimes I think it just it makes the process kind of uglier and muddier and sluggisher, and 
Um, and yeah, maybe they end up in the perfect place, but more than likely they just, they end up richer, but maybe not happier. Yeah. I mean, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? You know, especially when you hear that Jimmy has interest in playing in Brooklyn, in New York. Now, maybe those teams can be good a year or two from now, but just looking at this upcoming season, heck, I mean, on the court last year when Jimmy was healthy, I mean, the Wolves were on pace to win 51-52 games. I mean, they had some defensive issues, but they were a top-five efficient offense. I mean, things did click at times when Jimmy played with Andrew Wiggins, played with Carl Anthony Towns, you know, played with Jeff Teague. So just from an on-the-court standpoint, I'm with you. I mean, expound on that, that the Jimmy, it's not automatic that you're going to go to a team where it's much better than here. Well, you know, I was actually hanging out with some uh, fantasy uh, fantasy football sport guys about three days ago, and we were talking about how fantasy sport has made it harder because everybody has an opinion at a greater. They think they can run a team. They think they can build a team. They think they can look at stats and analyze it to the point of, you know, they they mean that they know what's going on and and. Uh, and I think that's now become the case with agents. Agents think they, you know, they're, they're a little bit smarter than somebody else, and uh, and they never, they're never in the heat of the battle. They don't, they don't understand the, how the little things of what makes a team work and what doesn't make a team work. Um, and sometimes I don't even think players understand what makes a team work. You know, sometimes. Uh, play, there are some players that are oblivious to how the team chemistry is is the key to, to their success, even though they think it's all about them. And so it, it comes down in different packages and different problems. I don't know exactly what, what transpires, what has transpired. And, you know, the gossip mill is going to pick up on Wiggins and the young kids don't get along with Jimmy and Jimmy's old school and all that stuff. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I, I really don't like to hash it because I feel that getting in the gossip mill is just, it's just an ugly place to be and, I think right now Minnesota's in a position where Tibbs has got to start preparing his basketball team with not knowing exactly where it's going to go. But I think he can sell his team on, you know, this is going to turn into a positive. When it turns into a positive, we've got to be ready to go when it happens. Coach, does this bring you back at all to eight years ago when Carmelo asked out of Denver? I mean, you know, who knows when, when exactly Jimmy made the initial request. I mean, there's some semantics there. It's Jimmy's side leaking that, you know, to save face to a degree. But Tibbs said the other day, hey, the first time I heard of, of Jimmy's trade request was was last week. So, I mean, we're talking days before training camp, but really eight years ago with Carmelo, it was what it was like late August, early September, right, pretty much right before training camp that he asked out. But you guys didn't. You guys didn't trade him right away. I mean, it took many months. It took until February. You guys made a phenomenal deal, at least I thought, with the Knicks. But but does this episode remind you of what you went through eight years ago with Mello? I actually thought about that when the when the owner came out and said he wanted to make a deal quickly. And it, and that would be my advice to Minnesota. Uh, you know, you know, we we hung on because I think we had two or three teams bidding <coughs> on Carmelo, and we had the ability to play one against the other. Uh, but I'll tell you what: the, the longer it lasted, it was so hard on the team to perform and to 
to go in the go in front of the press every day and answer the same questions, the same miserable questions of, you know, Mello's okay, we're doing this, and, and we're still winning. And <clears throat> it was just really, uh, it was actually too long. I mean, it, I mean, and what happened was the length of it all. Somehow we survived and we were still in the playoff race, and everybody was so excited to get into the next set, next stage that we actually played very well down the stretch and made the playoffs and actually played pretty well in the first round. I mean, was Mello, I mean, when he's playing for you that November, that December, I mean, was he a pain in the ass at all, or did he understand, hey, eventually I'm going to get traded, so I may as well just play hard, and I know that I'm going to eventually go somewhere? Uh... You know, I mean, Mello is, you know, always a little bit of a pain in the ass. And the whole thing comes down to is maintaining the other guys was more difficult than maybe motivating and invigorating and inspiring Mello to stay in this. Mm. It was the other players that was saying, you know, when are we going to move on? You know, and I think everybody got the feeling that we were, uh, you know, we were kissing his butt rather than we should be we should be moving on and, and getting to the next stage where we can become who we want to become. What were the initial emotions when you heard from, you know, your boss? Or maybe Mello went to you directly. I don't know exactly how the process unfolded, but what was your what was your initial reaction to when Mello requested the trade and then after a handful of days or weeks, did your stance change that maybe he almost did you a favor? Like you could make a case because Jimmy, if he wanted to, he could play out this year with Minnesota. Then he could leave next July. The Wolves would get nothing in return. So you could make a case, as upset as many Wolves fans are right now, at Jimmy, heck, at Tibbs, at owner Glenn Taylor, you know, maybe in the long run this is a good thing that you can actually get something for the asset as opposed to just losing the asset and get nothing in return. Well, I think uh... – I think the thing that's different from the Mellow deal and now is, uh, you know, we had two teams playing for Mellow, and they both thought they, you know, they both were in New York, and they both wanted to sign Mellow and would sign Mellow, and Mellow wanted to sign with them. And so we kind of had a, 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 a bidding war going on. And ever since then, I don't think that's happened with the, the guy, you know, like, you know, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, I think San Antonio got a decent deal in that deal, but mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think they got the deal that we got. I mean, we 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 rebuilt our team with that trade pretty quickly and became a, at least sustained our playoff abilities. Um, I just don't think there's many people are going to give up the farm or, or give a heavy load for not knowing unless Jimmy Biden, you know, unless they get a handshake that he'll sign with him next year for sure. And, of course, that happens. I mean, but what these teams need to weigh is, okay, how much do we give up for a guy that is in his late 20s and then he wants five years, $190 million from us? Now, it's a credit to Jimmy for how hard he plays and both ends of the court, but I'm just saying if I'm the Nets general manager – if I'm the Clippers general manager, there would be some reluctance on my end to give Jimmy Butler $40 million a year when he's 33 years old, when he's 34 years old. Where do you stand on that? 
Uh, the money just blows me away. You know, we've gone from a $20 million to a $40 million in about five years. And, uh, the money is just, you know, it's, it's, it's loud for me to understand. And, and I think the problem you have is we're, we're paying some players, and I think Towns falls into this category a little bit more than Jimmy Butler. We're paying on potential and not perform, playoff performers. Um, and we're just, you know, we just don't want to give up our assets and, um, and to, to pay max money and keep one of those guys, it doesn't, doesn't pan out to be one of those guys can disrupt your franchise in, in many ways. Or if you pay that money and you get one of those players get hurt, it can really, it can really put your, you know, put yourself in a difficult place. Um, but that's for businessmen that's for personnel men to decide and, um, you know, I think, I think they could get a deal. Um, but I'm not sure waiting on the deal to come is the best way to do it because I think once the season begins and if they run into a difficult stretch and I don't know if Jimmy play, I, I get the feeling that Jimmy right now doesn't want to play for him. No, he doesn't. No, absolutely not. So is he going to be suspended or is he going to sit out the year and not get any money? And, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know the, the tactics of what, uh, you know, the front office of Minnesota is thinking right now. And, uh, and then getting into, I, I, you know, I haven't studied their schedule. If they have a tough schedule early in the season and they give it off to a tough start in the Western Conference, that is a mistake because it's going to be a hell of a race to get those, to get into the playoffs this year because, the Lakers are better. Another couple other teams are better. Mm-hmm. And you know Minnesota made last year at the end of the last game of last season, and it's going to be harder next year. I mean, harder this year. Yeah, I mean, heck, I mean the team that that is by you. I mean, they're in Denver. I mean, the Nuggets, I think, are better. I think the Memphis Grizzlies are better. I think the Clippers are better. You mentioned the Lakers. I mean, those four teams did not make the playoffs last year. I think all four are better. Heck, Phoenix with Trevor Ariza, with some of the other moves they've made, you know, the draft picks. I think Phoenix, well, heck, Phoenix is going to be better. They were the worst team in the league last year. They will be better. You know, but I'm just saying, I mean, the Western Conference, yeah, I mean, it is going to be an absolute grind. So if you're the Wolves, you know, heck, I mean, could you make a case that, you know, maybe you should trade him sooner rather than later, and when you do trade him, you almost want to hit the reset button, right? Like, you want at least one draft pick, if not multiple draft picks. I'm not saying punt on this season, but you need to realize that competing in the Western Conference this year is so tough that instead of bringing back a guy that can help you immediately or guys that can help you immediately, maybe it makes more sense to go younger and get some draft picks too. Well, again, you're you're talking, you're looking into uh, a philosophy of front offices versus coaches. Coaches want to win now. And that's their job. Their job is to win tomorrow's game and not to, not to analyze what's going to happen two or three years from now. And that's always the tug of war that you have between coaches and, and front offices. But, uh, you know, they got good, they got gun. I think they got a, a young nucleus of good players. Uh, maybe you want to add some younger players, but I'm a big believer that you, you, you are successful in this league when you have good young players, but also have some veteran players. And I think uh, you know Jimmy Butler gives you gives you that, and Gibson gives you that, and, and, I, and I, 
I don't know what you, you know. My my thing is, if Jimmy Butler could give you a starter and a draft pick, uh, a 26 year old player that's been in the league that you know you can get 30 good minutes out of every night, mm-hmm. and a draft pick and someone that maybe could mentor Towns and Wiggins to to grow up fast, uh, because I you know it's Minnesota. You know I've always believed that it's not always about talent. Always, uh, sometimes it's about character, chemistry, and team as much as it is about talent. Well, you know what? And a little bit more on the tug of war. I mean, you think about how unique it is here, George, with with Tibbs having final say personnel-wise. I mean, he's the president of operations, and he's the coach. I mean, outside of San Antonio, and the Spurs is such a unique situation because Pop has been there forever, and him and R.C. Buford seemingly are always on the same page. But think about that dynamic here. I mean, picture yourself in Tibbs' shoes right now, how hard it must be for him trying to navigate that. You know, do you go young or in Tibbs' mind? I mean, Tibbs doesn't want to lose this year. And oh, by the way, I mean, his job is on the line. So, I mean, how tough of a spot is Tibbs in right now? Well, Tibbs works probably 10 to 12 hours a day. This this situation, he's probably going to have to work 14 to 16 hours a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, you know, he's not, those, those, uh, those dark circles underneath his eyes are going to come up pretty soon, I think. Would you like to see the Denver Nuggets get into the Jimmy Butler mix? I think Jimmy Butler is a damn good player. I think Denver plays at a pace that might not be a Jimmy Butler pace, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, you know, you know, my whole thing is I think Denver wants to continue, continue to be one of the faster teams in the league. And even though I think most players can adapt to playing fast or or the demand to play fast, uh, but some players I think will like like the possession game, like the lower lower tempo game. As even though I think Minnesota was a very good offensive team last year, especially when Jimmy was on the court. So who is a good fit on the court for Jimmy? I mean, whether it's you know Brooklyn, whether it's the Clippers. Heck, Milwaukee, Toronto, Washington, Philadelphia. I mean, certainly Miami. We know Miami is being as aggressive as anybody. So Miami with, with Spolstra. I mean, New Orleans. I think New Orleans is is sort of sitting there, you know, just on the outside. But, I mean, so many teams have, have reached out. Detroit's reached out, although I don't think Detroit's in it anymore. Dallas reached out, but I hear they're not in it anymore. But there are just so many teams, and always Houston, right? I mean, Houston is... Is trying to find a way right. to to dethrone the Warriors, so Houston is always lurking. But but can you can you picture a team or a couple teams where Jimmy is a really good fit? I'm just looking at a team. I, I got I I was talking about it with some very, some people about yesterday or two days ago, and and my my thing was I think he fits Miami. Mm. I I think he has a toughness that Riley would like, and and I think he would feel. You know, with Dwayne Wade being in his last year, you have a veteran with him that could help him fit into the structure and the commitment. And the other team that I think could be dynamic with him would be would be New Orleans. I think I think the Holiday Kid came in his own last year at the point guard position, and I think Jimmy and Davis together, and then they have enough other guys to fill fill in around them. I think they would go from that lower echelon playoff team to maybe a team that could move into the top four or five of the Western Conference. Then on the flip side, George, if if you're Minnesota, what sort of players should you be targeting that can coexist and coexist at a 
relatively high level next to Wiggins, next to Towns. Not necessarily specific names, but the type of players. Who do you think are the are the kind of players that can play well with Andrew Wiggins, with Jeff Teague, with Carl Anthony Towns, with Taj Gibson? Well, I think everybody now with the three-point ball, the ball being more important, I think uh, Minnesota, along with most teams, they could add some shooting. Uh, if you're going to catch Golden State and Houston, you're going to have to be able to make the three ball at a pretty consistent level. Uh, my, my gut would say, give me, a, give me a starter, give me a good bench player, and give me a draft pick. And if that that would make us feel good. Maybe that would be I mean, that you get if you could get three pieces of the future kind of filled in for the next three or four years. I think that that'd be something you'd have to look at. I'll leave you with a couple more points. Who is, in your mind, the best coach in the NBA that really nobody talks about? Like for me, I think Quinn Snyder of Utah comes to mind. I mean, clearly people talk a lot about Steve Kerr. They talk about even Eric Spolstra, Brad Stevens in Boston. So those guys get love. I'm not quite sure Quinn Snyder in Utah gets a lot of love. So he comes to mind for me. In your mind, name me a coach or two that is a really good coach that doesn't get the love that he deserves. Oh, I'm, I'm going to give you my two guys, Terry Stoss and Dwayne Casey. Mm-hmm. And, I think, and I think the other guy would be Tisdale. I think Tisdale had a, had a pretty good thing going in Memphis and why it blew up. It seems to be off the court situation more than on the court. I think Tisdale in the second, second, second chance in New York, I think you're going to see he's going to be pretty impressive. Yeah, I've heard good things about Fisdale. Yeah, a buddy of mine is J.B. Bickerstaff, who's now the head coach in Memphis. But he worked under Fisdale, and he just he raved about David Fisdale. So I think you're right. Yeah. George, I'll let you get back to the dog. It's yeah, always a pleasure. I've got four of them in the house right now, and they're, they're barking at something. Nice. Well, it's always a pleasure to catch up, and let's catch up again soon. Okay, then. Thank you, man. Okay, thanks, George. That was one of the all-time winningest coaches in NBA history, George Carl. When Tom Thibodeau got let go by Chicago, he took the year off. Before taking the Wolves job, he had options. New York had interest. Houston had interest, but ultimately ended up here. Anyway, in that year off, he did some work for ESPN, and he traveled around to spend some time with some different teams, including George Carl, when he was with the Kings. We'll get to some stuff I have on Jimmy Butler here on this Tuesday night in just a bit. But let me tell you about my bookie. They help bring you the Scoop Podcast, Scoop Podcast episode 175. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you are betting with. That's why I always recommend to people to try out MyBookie online, MyBookie.com. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. So just go to Google, type in MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie. You can read the reviews. They are legit. Their mobile site is also easy to use. I'm telling you, and I would only recommend a service to listeners of this podcast that is reputable. So I'm telling you, think about betting with my bookie. They have in-game live betting over-unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Do this. Go to mybookie, mybookie.com. Use the promo code SCOOP. Scoop to activate this offer. They will match your deposit dollar for dollar. You can also gain an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100 if you deposit after 6 p.m. Central. They are slammed at certain times 
early afternoon, late afternoon. They free up a little bit later at night. So they will give you a free $25 play with a $100 deposit or more if you deposit after 6 p.m. Central. But I'm telling you, they will match your deposit dollar for dollar if you use the promo code SCOOP. So visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget the spelling, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Hey, we all struggle with some spelling, mybookie.com. Promo code SCOOP. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, on Butler, I saw one report on Tuesday afternoon. I can't even keep track of all the reports suggesting that Tibbs and Layden still are not on the same page as owner Glenn Taylor. Here's what I'll say. A trade is coming, and sooner rather than later. Now, on episode 174, I hinted at maybe this thing could stretch out a while, but I'm now more convinced that there's no way that Jimmy Butler ever wears a Wolves uniform again. Ownership is pushing to move him sooner rather than later, fully realizing that they need some time to sift through offers. In fact, one team... That is on the outside. They certainly have had dialogue with the Wolves, but they are not one of the more aggressive teams. It's an Eastern Conference team. An executive texted me because I ran that by him saying, hey, the word is that Tibbs and Layden are still not on the same page as ownership. Here is what this individual told me via text. I never look at it like that. It's just, again, about the ask and the get. It's likely somewhat by design to tap the brakes and buy some oxygen. This executive of a team, again, that is on the outside looking in, kicking the tires on Butler, but certainly not a favorite to land Jimmy, at least not right now. Whatever happens is whatever deal you put on table will get a counter and then another counter back. So I'm just reading this verbatim. So it may not be all proper English, but you'll get the idea. If that doesn't happen, you are getting played. No one has gotten to that next level counter If that makes sense, you have to leave something for the final, final offer. So to boil that down, okay, so Miami and the Wolves have had dialogue. At this point, it sounds like Josh Richardson is not on the table for the Wolves. But there's a belief for Miami to complete a deal for Jimmy Butler. They have to include Josh Richardson. So it remains to be seen whether Pat Riley, in the end, puts Richardson on the table. But that is the back and forth. That's where the Wolves still need some time to engage in more of that back and forth. Tom Thibodeau, for what it is worth, said after day one of training camp on Tuesday morning that, quote, we're still going to honor Jimmy's request. But he also said, hey, we're not going to make a bad deal. So they are still playing this thing out to some degree. I had somebody with the Wolves suggest to me on Monday when I tweeted at DWolfson KSTP that a trade wasn't coming on Monday that they have to go through a bunch of offers. I said, hey, do you think in the end you'll have at least eight offers? This individual who is directly involved said, yes, that is the belief. That when they say, okay, it's time to make your final offer, when they reach out to teams and say that, that they will have at least eight offers to sift through. I still get the sense that Miami is as aggressive as anyone, so keep an eye on Miami. Other league executives keep saying, hey, don't discount the Clippers. Don't discount the Brooklyn Nets. On the Nets, I have a league source telling me that the Nets are one team that would give Jimmy five years, $190 million next summer. That is the max he can make with his bird rights shifting to his new team. I've heard that Miami would be reluctant to give Butler that much money. They would want to play this thing out, see how this year goes. But there is all sorts of Miami interest in Butler, even if the potential is there, that he might just be 
a rental. Other teams to keep an eye on that are laying in the weeds, I hinted at New Orleans with George Carl. No real steam there, but still a team to keep an eye on nonetheless. I tweeted on Sunday morning that I had heard some Toronto steam, that Kyle Lowry is potentially available. Now the Raptors brass at Media Day on Monday shot down the idea that they're in on Jimmy Butler. But hey, a reminder, you know, heck, Paul McEnroe, who's now a co-worker of mine here at Hubbard Broadcasting, was a professor of mine at the University of Minnesota in the late 90s. He's as good as it gets when you think of great investigative reporters in the country. Woodward, Bernstein, that next tier would include Paul McEnroe. I'll never forget this. Journalism 101. He taught me this the first day of class. Journalism 101. Why is this person lying to me? Now, do I think ultimately he ends up in Toronto? I don't. I still think Brooklyn, the Clippers, Miami, Philadelphia is definitely kicking the tires. I heard Dallas is out. I heard Detroit is out. So there's still a lot to be figured out, a lot to be sifted through. But clearly Jimmy Butler is going somewhere. And again, I stress in what I can gather sooner rather than later. One other angle I will address is Tibbs at Media Day on Monday said, hey, Last Tuesday was the first time that I had heard Jimmy say, hey, I want out, that I am requesting, demanding, however you want to term it, a trade. Now, the Butler camp has liked to float out that, hey, no, that's not the case now. It's not sourced to the Butler camp, but it's obvious where the leak is coming from. The Butler camp is trying to save face, suggesting that they made the trade suggestion to Tibbs way earlier in the summer. Here's what I would say. I think it's a debate of semantics that I do actually think for the first time last Tuesday, Tibbs really got the idea that Butler wanted out. But based on Butler's actions at the end of the season, then immediately after the playoff loss to Houston, there were certainly signs. You know, hearing things now, there were signs that Tibbs should have been able to read that Jimmy didn't want to be here long term. But I do think Tibbs was actually telling us the truth at Media Day on Monday when he said, hey, the first time I heard that Jimmy Butler wants out was last Tuesday in Los Angeles. Butler was in town for a physical on Monday. He played some pickup with some guys at one of the Lifetimes in downtown Minneapolis Monday afternoon. Then he got a workout in at Lifetime in Plymouth on Tuesday morning. He was seen getting some shots up with his right hand, but Tibbs said, hey, he still needs at least another week before he'll be medically cleared. So again, journalism 101, because, and I actually should have realized this when I asked Tibbs at the State Fair, hey, will Jimmy be ready for training camp? And he dodged the question, but the initial thought was, right after the surgery, it was a minor surgery that he'll be back relatively soon. Well, this thing has stretched longer than we thought. And that goes back to, I know some teams that have no interest in giving Butler five years, $190 million, that they'd love to have him for this upcoming season, that they would rent him, but if the price is too high, they're not going to make the trade because they know that they're not paying him $190 million. And it's a credit to Jimmy that he plays so hard, but you look at Jimmy, hand surgery, knee surgery. He broke down a bit in Chicago. He plays the game so hard that in his late 20s, You know, you give him five years, $190 million. When he's 33, 34 years old, you're paying him $40 million plus a year. Is that something you really want to do? So I'm just telling you, I know teams that pause on the idea of giving Butler $190 
million dollars. I should also add, because I had this on my Twitter account, DWolfson KSTP, on Monday night that Sacramento was involved. Now, tip of the hat to others like Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, advancing that a bit further, saying Sacramento is the only team in the league with a bunch of cap space, that their involvement is really to be that third team. They are looking to acquire a 2019 first-round pick. Doesn't look like they have their own. So Sacramento figures, hey, we can absorb some salary, but we also need a 2019 first-round pick to come our way. So that's where Sacramento is in this mix. And if the Wolves can dump Gorgie Jang's contract, yes, the Wolves are still interested in dumping that contract. Now, on Twitter, I've had a lot of people run different proposals by me. It's hard for me to see a team like Toronto. I've been given a lot of proposals from Raptors fans or Raptors observers saying, hey, what about this idea? What about that idea? I just don't see a logical scenario where Gorgie Jang, with three years, $48 million left on his contract, ends up in Toronto. It's hard for me to see Gorgie ending up just about anywhere outside of maybe Sacramento if they get a first-round pick and, let's say, a second-round pick. I think Sacramento actually needs more than one pick or an additional asset. Maybe it's a young player, so it's an expanded three-team deal. I also know that three-team deals are really hard to pull off, but that would be Sacramento's involvement. I'm trying to think what else I've been asked. I was asked if Indiana has interest in Jimmy Butler. I'm able to source that out. The Pacers are not in on Butler. There has been zero dialogue with the Indiana Pacers. I did mention that Detroit and Dallas are said to be out. But as this thing drags on for another 24, 48, 72 hours, if it goes beyond that, 96 hours, I think some teams that are now out as I tape this on Tuesday night may start kicking the tires again. But I'm telling you, I'm still keeping an eye on Miami the most, then the Clippers, then the Nets, then I would say Philadelphia, Milwaukee on the outside, New Orleans lurking in the weeds, And surely, I'm sure there's at least one mystery team, if not multiple mystery teams. But I still think those are the teams to keep an eye on. I mean, Boston would always be one of those mystery teams. Do they somehow get involved? Or Houston. We know Houston is trying to edge out Golden State in the West. Houston would love to have Jimmy Butler. Is there a way for Houston to get involved? So those are the teams to keep an eye on the most. One other NBA note before I transition to some Vikings notes is that Cole Aldrich is not at Atlanta Hawks camp, the native of Bloomington, the former Wolves center. I was told by a source close to Cole to keep an eye on him potentially signing with the team overseas. He was about to sign a non-guaranteed contract with the Hawks. Good chance he wasn't going to make the Hawks roster. So why not take a guarantee even if it's overseas? Hey, he's married, but no kids. If there's ever a time to live overseas, It might be now. He's a world traveler, loves to travel, so Cole Aldrich playing somewhere overseas is something to keep an eye on. All right, let's move on to the Vikings. On the injury front, even though Riley Reef missed practice on Tuesday, listed out with a foot injury, and we have to wonder if he was hurt in that Bills game because we just haven't seen the Vikings left tackle play that poorly, even early in the game when the Vikings weren't necessarily in pass every down mode that he struggled early in that game so did he enter the game with a foot injury just because he's been so good so the questions are there I was told it's more likely that he plays on Thursday night than misses the game now it was told to me 65 35 so that's not a real strong assurance that he is in there on Thursday night but that as of Tuesday night it is more likely he plays than doesn't play same applies for David Morgan I was told on Morgan more like 75 to 80 to 85% 
that he is able to go. On Dalvin Cook, hamstrings are so tricky, especially with running backs. He was limited in practice on Tuesday, but I was told more like 60-40. You know, I mean, 50-50 doesn't really do you, the listener, very much good. More like 60-40, maybe even a little bit more than that on Dalvin playing, but it all come down to how he wakes up on Thursday, how he is feeling on Thursday. We know the Vikings running game could use a spark. So it's possible that Cook, maybe even stronger than possible, that Cook is able to go on Thursday night. On Everson Griffin, first and foremost, him as a husband, him as a father, we wish him all the best that he's able to get the professional help he so badly needs. So that needs to be said. That is by far the most important thing. On the episodes that took place over the weekend, you know, a lot of it was sourced on KSTP.com, or at least the Hotel Ivy episode was sourced on KSTP.com on Monday night. Then some other media outlets hopped in. I can tell you that a number of people in our newsroom have been working on some Everson Griffin stuff for some time. So it's not like we just tossed that thing together. The scripts were gone over by seven people. I'm telling you, the amount of work, the effort that went in into reporting that story was substantial. Now, some people are upset that any of us have reported on Griffin to begin with. I would say this much. He threatened to shoot someone at the Hotel Ivy on Saturday. With that in mind, you know, then he created a disturbance by laying on the floor of the lobby of Hotel Ivy screaming. So in that instance, we felt like in our newsroom, we had to report that. Now, other details have come out with a Minatrista police report coming out on Tuesday, but there are some red flags in that police report. Well, heck, one of them is the Minatrista on Saturday only had one officer working. Then he was relieved at 1,700 hours. I guess that would be, what, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. But when exactly did he write that police report? That is one thing that needs to be figured out. Trey Waynes has come out and said, hey, Everson did not try to break into my house on Saturday. Now, it is worth noting that Trey Waynes and Everson Griffin have the same agent. So is the agent involved or just that connection, that athlete's first connection, is that in play there? Also, a source close to Griffin has indicated that no way, no how did the Vikings ever send a letter to Griffin and to Griffin's agent, Brian Murphy, stating, hey, unless Everson gets a mental health evaluation, he is not welcomed back at the TCO Performance Center, but a source close to Griffin indicates that no way, no how did Griffin ever get a letter from the Vikings? Did the agent ever get a letter from the Vikings? But that was stated in the Minatrista police report with some dialogue with the Vikings director of security, then Les Pico, who's involved in the Vikings front office. So there were some there were some interesting things in that Minatrista police report. But bottom line, Everson needs a lot of help. There were some red flags going back to the week after the 49ers game at a charity event that Everson was at on 9-11. There have been some other red flags during practice, so certainly the Vikings have had reason to worry for some time. And I do know with Les Pico, he he was heavily involved in Jared Allen turning his life around. He's heavily involved in Everson Griffin's life. That Les Pico in the Vikings front office does a phenomenal job helping out Vikings players, also the Vikings with the coaching staff, with the front office, with ownership. They do do a good job, a really good job. I can't speak for other NFL organizations, but I do know the Vikings organization does a great job helping their players 
with issues that they have. I also know that the psychologist that works with the team has spent about 80% of his or her time in the last handful of weeks with Griffin. So there's been a lot of focus on Everson Griffin. But at this point, we just hope that he gets all the help that he needs, that he can overcome the demons that are in his life right now, that he can get back to being a great husband. We've seen that side of Everson. We've seen Everson with his kids. Heck, he was at Top Golf a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago for the grand opening with his family. Chris Long, a coworker of mine, saw Everson there, said, hey, from afar, it looked like everything was great, that the family was having a great night. So, And we've seen Everson, whether down in Mankato, going back to when training camp was in Mankato, with his kids being around. We've seen him at different charity events. I mean, Everson tries to give back to the community as much as he can. When things are right in Everson's life, he is a solid individual. So we can just hope, we can pray that he gets the help that he needs to get back to being a great husband and a great dad football being a complete afterthought. But I know I'm going to get the question. We know he's not playing on Thursday. And at this point, you know, heck, I'll just I'll ask the question, then I'll attempt to answer it. Hey, will Everson play again this year? I would say to be determined. Who knows? I mean, at this point, I'm just telling you, put football aside and just think about Everson, the person, that the person needs to get right before anything involving football re-enters his life. Those are the two big stories this week. Those are the stories that everyone pretty much is talking about. I have some local basketball recruiting updates. It's a crazy busy month on the recruiting scene, but I can save those for episode 176. Heck, recruiting is fluid anyway with coaches in and out of town just about on a daily basis. Although with college basketball practices officially starting on this date, Tuesday the 25th, it is slowing down. But going back the last week or two, so many different coaches. In fact, former Wolves interim head coach Sam Mitchell, I texted with Sam, he was in town on Monday doing some recruiting. So there's all sorts of recruiting updates. So many good local high school basketball players you know, that every program in the country wants. Or if you extend it to Rochester, certainly with Matthew Hurt, future NBA player. I mean, just so many coaches that have been in town in the month of September. So I can go over that on episode 176. Great to hear that Ryan Suter will play in the preseason. He will play on Wednesday night at the X against Winnipeg. Suter was on a recent Scoop podcast. I think I'll track him down right before the Wilds opener October 4th, or maybe right after, maybe right after he plays. Ryan's willing to come on the Scoop podcast so I can track him down at some point here in the next few weeks. Also on the Twins, we remain on the Joe Maurer watch, the Paul Molitor watch. Nothing new on my end on either front, but admittedly the Wolves drama, the Vikings have kept me professionally busy the last handful of days, but certainly next week has the potential to be busy on the Twins front. Also, they are hoping for Pensacola. Pensacola is the top goal for their double-A affiliate. Chattanooga is going with the Reds. The Twins wanted out of Chattanooga. They're looking for an upgrade in terms of facilities. I know their number one goal is Pensacola. Amarillo is also in the mix, but the Twins are hopeful that they can shift their double-A affiliate to Pensacola, Florida. All right, that does it for Scoop Podcast episode 175. I'll be back when the schedule allows. Maybe it's Soon, because the Jimmy Butler trade happens in the next, who knows, 48, 72 hours, whatever it is. Or if this thing extends out, I can come back on later in the week and update what I have at that point on the Butler talks. But I do think we will have a trade at some point here 
in the next, I don't know, seven to ten days, maybe sooner. So keep an eye out on the Jimmy Butler talks. We are done. Episode 175 of the Scoop Podcast is in the books. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Here are three good reasons to rent a Peloton bike or Bike Plus. That's right, rent. One, just one low monthly fee gives you access to thousands of classes. Two, pay month to month with zero commitment. Three, it's easier to stick to a fitness routine when you enjoy it. No wonder our research in March 2022 found that 70% of Peloton members work out more than they did before joining. Learn more about renting at OnePeloton.com. Peloton, motivation that moves you. Only available within the eligible delivery radius. Terms apply.